Close to Change discusses a variety of topics and social issues, pinpointing the inequalities that communities face. This podcast highlights positive activism and ways that all of us can collectively help out. Tune in and help facilitate change and together let us understand how close to change we really are. My name is Tyler Close. I'm a third year youth work and community development student from the University of Derby and I'm heavily passionate about creating and facilitating change. In this podcast, I'll be joined by some very special guests to answer the question, what's with all the statue shaggers? And discuss the UK government's seeming descent into authoritarianism. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could share this out there with your friends, leave a review, and follow my podcast to get updates and information on future episodes. So, first of all, let's recap on what's happened over the last few weeks. Rightly so, protesters gathered at Clapham Common at a vigil for Sarah Everard, and the police fought to break it up. The images are really, really shocking and actually quite haunting. There's a picture of officers picking a lady up and dragging her sitting there peacefully with a sign protesting for her and every other woman in the country to not face harassment and abuse. And how do the police and government retaliate? Threats and violence. Police in the Home Office have warned protesters to stay at home or face enforcement. This is just unacceptable. But it doesn't stop there. Pretty Patel and the government are rushing to enforce the Policing Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill ASAP. This is a bill that was born out of her fury at BLM and Extinction Rebellion protests, designed to make it much more difficult to hold the government and those in power to account. It gives more power to stop and search individuals, makes it a crime to cause serious annoyance and inconvenience, and for doing so, you'll get up to 10 years in prison. It considers protests at memorials to be an act of criminal damage, carrying sentences from three months up to 10 years. It bans protests outside parliament, and it also criminalises gypsy, roma and travel communities. It's disgusting. Nadia Whitobe, a Labour MP for Nottingham East and also the youngest MP in the UK, has stated that if this bill is passed, the bill will be one of the biggest assaults on our freedom to protest in recent history. You know, there's this whole argument about COVID-19 and lockdown and protesting during lockdown, but honestly, in my opinion, it's just not valid. That's not a valid argument. This is about humans fighting for their rights. And really, this response has been the same over the past 12 months. We've got Scotland Yard and the Home Office attempting to label Extinction Rebellion as a terrorist organisation. The police in masses trying to split up BLM protesters for protesting against the over-policing of our streets, police brutality and police violence. This is the UK government's descent into authoritarianism, and it is disgraceful. So I'm joined with my first guest speaker, Emily Jones. Hi, Emily. Hello, Tyler. How are you? I'm good, considering it's lockdown still. How about you? Uh, getting there. (laughs) So, 
have you heard about the Reclaim the Streets movement protests and what are your thoughts on them? Um, I feel, I strongly feel that the government shouldn't be taking the choice away from the public. At the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, we walk the streets every single day. And so we should be able to purvey our opinions on things through that because it's peaceful protesting. Therefore, um, when something that becomes a passionate conversation towards huge groups of people, it should be allowed and not taken away because it's taking the choice of freedom of speech and starting to control the society that we live in, which is completely against governmental law. Yeah, I really like what you said there with, um, excuse me, with freedom of speech, because I feel like the Conservatives, they've got this big thing about freedom of speech. Well, they used to, and a lot of the people who kind of follow them um, and vote Conservative have a big thing about freedom of speech. But isn't all this stuff like the, the new policing and crime bill that effectively bans protests? You know, that takes away people's freedom of speech. It's basically saying, no, you can't hold us to account. Like, we're the government, we're in charge, and you're going to do as we say. You're not going to annoy us, you know. Um, did you see the vigil for Sarah Everard? Yes, I did. I um, saw it mentioned, but I didn't actually attend it. Yeah. Um. um did you see the big one at Clapham Common in London, where the police intruded no i didn't know about that one no so there was a big protest um at clapham Clapham common apologies in london and i was talking about this earlier on the podcast but there's this there's this photo and it really stuck with me it was really haunting actually um and there's a video as well to like accompany it and it's a girl and she's she's sat there with a sign and I don't think she's chanting. She's just there with a sign protesting her right to not be harassed for her and other women across the country's rights to not be harassed at a vigil for Sarah Everard, right? Um, and then the police just come and essentially drag her away and just pick her up and they're just essentially moving everybody out of the way but, like, pushing and shoving and just causing violence where there was no violence to begin with. Like, it was a peaceful protest. Um you know, and we saw stuff like that earlier on in the year with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's repeating itself again. And really, the government's stance on this now is just, okay, well, we'll have more police in. You know, we don't care what all the people are saying, what they're protesting for. We're going to put more police on the street. We're going to become more author- authoritar- authoritarian. <laughs> trying to get my words out. Um, and, you know, what do you think about protesters right, who protest at memorials getting up to 10 years in prison, but rapists only getting up to five years. So in one's, one viewpoint, um, I disagree with protesting at a memorial just out of pure respect for the family and for the situation at hand. However, in okay. regards to it being a peaceful protest and her not disrupting anyone that's going in or anybody that's walking around, it's completely disgusting for her to get 10 years in prison for something that hasn't even caused a riot. It hasn't even started a massive feud between the public Mm. and the police. It's not done anything to aggravate anyone. Um, 
and then for rapists to get five years it's kind of disgusting yeah i i just think it is disgusting it's the fact that rapists destroy lives um mental health and well-being and a protester is just sitting there trying to convey the same concept but getting longer for protesting it it's like saying well you're getting sexually harassed and you've been raped by this person but you're gonna get five extra years because you protested it and it's not okay it basically brings back the whole um event with the hashtag me too movement because now it's going to convey a bigger storyline and be like hashtag me too because there's going to be so many women and other minorities for example it's not just women that get raped and they're going to look at the system and feel less safe they're going to feel like as though they can't um talk to the police and they can't project what they want to project in their own voice because they're subjected to the police coming and taking them away it's going to cause a higher amount of protesters walking the streets and not just for the fact of sexual assault or rape or murder it's now going to go on to the police and be a protest against the police and how they handle the situation so the way they're handling the situation currently is beginning to aggravate other people and it's going to lead to a higher less peaceful protest Mm, I, i really like that um kind of like just a view on all of it. I like how you mentioned like the Me Too movement because I didn't even think of it in that light, you know, like that's the first time that I've thought about, you know, what this could what what this could mean for people who are survivors. Exactly. Who want to, you know, say me too and want to say this has happened to me too and I'm I, I want change to happen. For them then to be stripped away from their right to stand on a street corner and say, this has happened to me, me too, and be put in prison for possibly twice as long as somebody who perpetrated the crime that they're standing there and protesting about. Yeah, definitely. I really like that viewpoint. Thank you. So, finally, Emily, um, how do you think that we can hold the government to account? What would you suggest individuals do and how do you reckon that will create change that not only holds the government to account but keeps our democracy alive and thriving when we've got people in power saying no you can't do this how how do you think that we can kind of resist so um first off being self-aware so being aware of what's currently going on in terms of politics and in terms of what the biggest trend is essentially which at the moment is safety among women and obviously uh, Mm. safety against their perpetrators Um, but that's not going to be enough we need to have knowledge to be able to understand and be able to act and then we need to understand this new government proceedings of against freedom of speech in terms of uh, peaceful protests so we need to understand that to be able to protest that and it'd be getting all survivors together, whether it's men, women, children, adults, you know, and creating a support system through a peaceful protest, essentially, 
um, to get together and sit down and do a similar thing that the George Floyd situation happened, you know, where everyone protested that and did a peaceful protest. It's now we should have that protest brought with the sexual assault, rape and murder protests brought with um, those against um, being subjected to not freedom of speech um, and have it brought together as a community of people to fully understand and to make the government understand that if you take away that freedom of speech, the people who have felt the most confident about coming forward with the current situations and with their personal experiences is basically putting them back in a box and subjecting them to feel like they're never going to be heard, even when something's pushed them to be heard. So it's the case of getting a community together, whether, whether that's online, because obviously they're trying to get rid of peaceful protests and bring the community together online to be able to discuss current situations and to be able to act as a group rather than as a sole being. So I'm on to my second guest speaker, Poppy. Hey, Poppy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. So I'm Poppy. I'm 20. Um, I I'd study policing and investigations, which is really odd for saying a lot of my opinions. It's very opposed <laughs> to my beliefs. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So what are your thoughts on recent events in our society, like the Reclaim the Streets movement, Sarah Everard case, policing, crime and sentencing bill, and the government's aim to curfew and silence protesters? I think that it's it's a bit of a mess. All of it is a lot of a mess, to be honest with you. Mm. The whole protests have traditionally always been a way to get a lot of social change. And sometimes they've not always worked, they've not always been great, but they have always been the fundamental reason why things have changed and they oppose yeah. the government. And mm. the point of it is is to grab attention. And, you know, it's, it's that saying, like, you can't be quiet to get what you want sometimes. Sometimes it's who screams the loudest wins. Yeah. So the rules of having to be quiet... Um, and then finishing at a certain time is just is not appropriate like i i can understand the whole covid regulations um but none okay. of them have been broken in the, like in this yeah. protest like there's been no attempt to break them no nothing everything's been masks everybody's been distanced well so mm. it just seems a little bit extreme to me it yeah. starts from a young age. It starts from it being acceptable in schools. And, like, mm. I remember when I was in sixth form, I started sixth form, and I was, like, I thought I was really cool. I was, like, indie. And I wore, I went right. to, like, sixth form, and I used to wear, like, fishnets all the time, even before I started sixth form. And I just wore a skirt with fishnets, and they were, like, the small holes. They weren't, like, massive. Mm -hmm. I was basically accused of looking like a prostitute. And I was oh. told I, could, I couldn't wear that in school. I couldn't wear it in school. But it's like, if I had mm. just worn, like, see-through tights, you know, like, those really, like, like slim, like, black see-through tights, I'd be showing just as yeah, much yeah. skin. 
or if I wasn't wearing tights but it was the fact that you know Mm. fishnets are a little bit more sexualized and that was probably just for the benefit of males rather than anybody else yeah like don't let me talk on behalf of like you or women but I just feel like you know if people let people wear what they want to wear you know yeah 100% as long as it's in my mind as long as it's not indecent exposure as long as you're not you know showing me your dick (laughs) or showing me your boob like you know as a gay man first of all I don't really want (laughs) to see your boobs um or or your dick (laughs) but you know um I think just let people dress how they want to dress definitely but I think that's again where it comes from it comes from being in the institutions Mm. from younger ages where things where excuses are made for males and boys and it's like games like kiss chase or um i mean as well i'm like i'm italian so my 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 dad is very like he would warn us away from boys but uh, our male cousins they would always encourage them you know like to be the player and so Mm. it's it's also like family and how like traditional things are um, especially if you come from a more traditional, um, stronger culture background, you're also taught maybe to be more subservient to men. So it's also that belief of men sometimes just believe that they can, like they just can, and they, so they will. A hundred percent, definitely. Um, and you know, I think just going back a little bit to like the idea of what a protest is, it's for people to raise their voice, and I think it's so important that we do not ever, you know, um, what's the word, suppress the voices of the people who are protesting their fundamental human rights, you know, like the voices of women or, you know, identifying women, mm-hmm. um, like yourself. A hundred percent. The policing crime and sentencing bill that Priti Patel has been mm-hmm. thrown around Parliament, um, you know, that really, like, comes from well, what she said, the annoyances of protest. Um, and, you know, she she said that she finds it annoying that these people are holding people to account or attempting to hold um, institutions and people in power to account, but doing it on such a large scale. But at the on the other side of the flip coin, we've got, if, if we're not doing that, if we're not saying, hey, look at me, attention, and saying, you need to listen to this protest, you need to understand this, then you know how are we going to grow our um grow our support for it how are we going to hold these people to account yeah you know what i mean i think we also need to always be very careful when pretty patel does anything there's some there's something very very telling about a woman that can turn on her own her own culture she she very much has Mm. the good immigrant um yeah the good immigrant attitude and she i'm not sure if she's like a little soldier and they're doing it to say look we you know we've got a woman of asian descent here you know look at us being all representative when actually you know it's a kick in the teeth for her community and her being like a woman as well it's again them trying them trying to look more diverse while stabbing people Mm. it's was the saying um a fox is it is it a fox in sheep's clothing 
I don't think I've heard that saying oh, before. Oh, it's like why they I disguise themselves to look like they're one of you to get your attention. Just pretty Patel in general, her views and her mindset is just very authoritarian. It's just very like authority, not democratic. Definitely. You know? Even just like the fact that she said, "Oh, these protests are annoyances. Um, you know, they they need to be quiet. We need to silence them. We need to curfew them." Um, you know, and it's even so. Like, what do you think about protesters at memorials uh, if this new bill is introduced? Getting up to ten years in prison, but rapists only get up to five years. There's there's a lot that can be said on that, especially with yeah, rapists. Um, like it's it's hard to even convict a rapist, and mm. it's also again with the whole like the whole thing is second secondary victimization really. Like it's it's okay. I don't think it's okay to put more um more value on a statue than somebody's life and somebody's well being. Like it's it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I also don't think the prison system and the judicial judicial system here even makes sense. You know, when I first saw um this whole ten years, you know, for defacing a memorial or defacing a statue or throwing a statue into the river um all came about um to me it was just like 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 to me this looks like a scare tactic you know um let's scare them into not even wanting to raise their voice anymore it's it's quite intimidating really when you have somebody who has the amount of power such as Priti Patel who stands there and says like this is what protesters deserve for holding the government to account and giving opposition So how how do you think that we can hold our government to account? And um, what would you suggest people do? Like, how will we create change that not only holds the government to account but keeps our democracy? Do you know? What? I alive? think we need to start taking tips from France. How you think their protests? What, I what was that? Sorry. I think we need to start taking some tips from France. Their protests are okay. there isn't, they always tend to sort of get what they want. You know, and we, I think okay. the protests are a good way to go, but there's also other routes like petitions and things like that. Um, mm. So I think, I think you can't play to their rules too much, but sometimes you have to know how to work the system a little bit. And I think, I think another thing, yeah. um, which is important, is to realize that we need more women in positions, like in the police. like in higher positions in other ways and politics but i think again it's more people need more education and they need to understand how the fundamentals of things work so i think that's where things come from yeah but it's it's like like for me my opinion is i don't i don't have faith in the current government i don't even if um the current labor government got into power well sorry mm-hmm. Labour opposition got into power and became government I don't have faith in Mr Keir Starmer at all um that either them of them would you know dismantle some of the structures that we have in place that create like that allow enable these inequalities to thrive and continue and it's it's the same even like with the education system you know like 
like like you just said, why aren't we educating? We need to be educating, definitely. And, you know, why would a government that is silencing people and wanting to essentially give people 10 years in prison just for raising their voice and standing in front of a, a monument or a statue, um, a platform, they, they just wouldn't. Um, I don't have faith in them at all. And I really liked what you said as well about um, mm. the Green Party. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I think um, going back to what you said about like movements and trends, um, the, the deciding factor for me with Labour and mm-hmm. Keir Starmer taking the helm was when back when the Black Lives Matter protests were yeah. all over the media and Keir Starmer said, and don't quote me on this, um, but semi-quote <laughs> me, um, that Black Lives Matter was not a movement it was a what's the word do you know what um, i'm talking about i'm not sure but it, it sounded very aggressive it basically... i think i can kind of remember it wasn't yeah, a movement it... but it was yeah like and a trend do you know what and there yeah. were some people that did treat it very much like that yeah 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 oh 100 percent. some there's going to be people all the time that jump on these bandwagons but it's also about educating them too like 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 you said with educating um and i mean if we don't educate people we need to be educated people from a young age yeah. about this kind of stuff our education system um, definitely fails us and the only you know i yeah. i studied history and like in to, up to a level and the only really like controversial thing that we ever learn about really that britain does is mm. World War World War Two. Yeah, 100%. The speaker that was on before, after um, we had our discussion, we had a little chat um, in private and we were talking about that. And I said, why aren't we learning about the world and the British Empire? And, you know, Britain's not all that good. No, that's <laughs> true. It's not been all that good for history. And when it comes to learning about these inequalities, and especially in the case of Black Lives Matter, our education system should be teaching us about why we even have to have a Black Lives Matter movement now? You know, why we even have to have a Reclaim the Streets movement now? Why Extinction Rebellion are not being heard? We need At to the end of the day, I think this. it comes from the idea of oppressors win because they've oppressed. And the the only okay. man, the only person that ever really wins in an oppressive game is a cis straight white man that's the only person that wins and Mm. it's scary Mm. for them when you know you see uh black people asian people females coming to power and like doing it well because they've had they've had to learn to be better than just a man and they can do Mm. it better and that's i think that's where it comes from is people Mm -hmm. see it as they're giving away their rights and their freedom, mm-hmm. which really isn't what it is. So it really needs more women to become in politics and just breaking the glass ceiling. But I think it does come from education mm. um, and that, that it really is where it stems from. But again, with like stuff like history, especially like in this country, yeah. I mean, as much as people like to make out they're not very patriotic, they kind of are <laughs> like they're a little bit more patriotic than they let on mm-hmm. and people people like it's like the commonwealth oh gosh, yeah. people don't like to really 
really speak about how awful it was, but they'll talk about how amazing it was that mm. we had this Commonwealth. Going back to like the education thing, like our education system it is. is so patriotic. Um, it's unreal. Like Britain did this, Britain did this, and it's all good things, you know. We're never taught about the bad things. We're never taught about what Winston Churchill did. I feel like everything gets mm. brushed over and it's unless a... it's talked about mm. to death. When we talk about Tories and the government and, you know, in my eyes, I always see them Mm -hmm. as they are the establishment, you know, and you've got people like Jeremy Corbyn who aren't establishment and are actually anti-establishment. And like when Jeremy Corbyn was the leader of the Labour Party and when I remember back in 2017 Mm -hmm. election when we nearly got it um, and all the young people came out in droves and, you know, the establishment was scared. The media were like shocked. Uh, Theresa May was yeah. She wanted shocked. a stronger, um, you know. I, yeah, I was she wanted a stronger government. She was so yeah, she didn't, sure she didn't that. that she would she'd be reelected, and they would they would have a full cabinet. Mm. And like just to, like, kind of end on a positive. I think it's it's really good. You know, I've I've been. I try my hardest to read the read the news and listen to the news and I, I try my hardest to do it you know in a very unbiased way I know that newspapers and these mm-hmm. news organizations are very biased um, but you know I always see this sort of demonization of young people and of our generation and of social media and you know us becoming little mini journalists and that kind of thing and there's this big kind of demonization movement where we're always taught to, we're always told, really, that social media is bad and that what we're saying on social media is bad. And really, like when we look at, in the case of protests and movements and learning and educating, my question is, why am I learning more about the society I live in and the world I live in from what my friends tell me and what's on social media than school? than a university education I'm paying nine and a half thousand pounds for a year um, from the media that earn a lot of money you know from these people in power who have this power and have huge platforms why, why am I learning off my friends why am I learning off brothers and sisters so I, and, I actually work you know, in social media so I'm a social media manager okay. And so I also help content creators like build a strategy. So I, I social media is something that I could talk about forever. But um, with a newspaper, you tend okay. to go to it or like another news agent, and your intent, your intention when you're reading that is for it not to be biased. And it, they cleverly write it in a way so mm. that it comes across as it's not biased, but it's very subtly biased. It's more hidden. Okay. Um, but with social media, you know, you'll yeah. come to an account, you'll come, like, whether that be a personal one with somebody's personal brand or a brand account, and you do come for that for biased information. And we tend, we tend to find people that are very like-minded yeah. to ourselves. Or if you're if you if you love being a troll, you're gonna find somebody that angers you, and you're gonna have you know you're gonna try and play devil's advocate, but you're really the devil's advocate. You're you're not playing. 
Um, and mm. that's why it's a great way of starting speeches and starting discussions. It's a bit like the best way, the thing that's like opened my eyes to so many things is Clubhouse. Like it's an app where like you, it's just like chat rooms. They're kind of informal and normally they have a discussion and like normally the, there's like a hashtag and everybody talks about it on Twitter if you're not one of the speakers on there. And it's in lots of rooms like by black people okay. and just listening to it is so eye-opening with stuff like going on and it's like mm. there really is like co- it's constant stuff that's going on the best way i can describe clubhouse is i don't know if like you you know like the french revolution you know where there was saloons um is it saloons or salon salons where they would just like talk and drink and smoke and they would talk about controversial topics and like discuss them and that was and a way that knowledge was spread so fast. And I just think social media and those okay. kinds of apps now are the way of that kind of being spreaded and there's knowledge being spread. It doesn't always have to be written down. I mean, it, that means it can't be like saved and like shown forever. But it's just a way of knowledge to get spread a lot faster. So I think that's why it's much more beneficial than newspapers or media and as well with like when you're listening to the news or you're reading newspapers and news articles you're consciously um what's the word you're um you're consciously not devouring it um (laughs) uh you're you're consciously getting that is what i'm trying to say you're consciously getting that information and you know that okay. you're getting that. But whereas like on social yeah. media, you're not, it's a bit more subconsciously. You're not like looking for it, but you're still getting it. You're still digesting it. Exactly. It arrives. So I think that's why yeah, it works a little bit better definitely. than just online. And also anybody can, anybody can tweet. Anybody can post an infographic. Anybody can start like a chat room. When we talk about how close to change we are on this basis, on the basis of protests, when we've got these big people in power and establishment, you know, it's really hard for us to gauge how how much further we've got to go, how much of a fight we've got to give. But the tools that we have today and the tools that are coming out all the time, like, You've just taught me about Clubhouse, <laughs> which is not an ad to anybody listening. Um, but I'm definitely going to have a look at that because that sounds it sounds really cool. Like these social media sites and the things that people are able to create now, you know, the fancy graphics and animations that really catch you by surprise. It's really good. And I think it's, it's it gives people platforms to empower others and to help inspire change and to get other people on board and to educate so here's my final thoughts. Pritta Patel is the type of person who just doesn't want to be held to account, and I think that resonates just as much with the wider government. This government is quite clearly authoritarian, with their approach to peaceful protests being to ban them and lock up people who have want to raise their voices. We've seen the Tories illegally suspend Parliament, dodge accountability, threaten to shut down Channel 4 and blacklist journalists. The government are attempting to silence opposition in every way. First in Parliament, then in the media, and now on our streets. 
We cannot let them get away with it. I want to urge everybody listening to write to their local MP and ask for the idea of authoritarianism along with the bill discussed today to just be completely discarded, dismantled and destroyed. We don't need it. We're meant to live in a democratic UK. Keep standing up and keep using your voice. The more we resist, the closer to change we'll become. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Make sure you leave a review, share this out there with your mates and follow my podcast to get updates on future episodes. If you want to share your opinions on this topic too, please feel free to do so whether you direct message me on Insta or you just comment on one of my social media posts. Follow me on Instagram at Tyler Close, spelled T-Y-L-A-E-C-L-O-S-E. In the next episode, we take a deep dive into the higher education institutions in the UK, looking into the student-led resistance movement sweeping the UK, from rent strikes to the NUS's Students Deserve Better campaign, looking at how close to change we really are, and we'll be giving some tips on how students can get involved, hold their institution to account, and ensure their universities act democratically. See you then!